WYGM Orlando, WJRR HD2 Cocoa Beach. Listen live on iHeartRadio now. No, seriously, do it now. Welcome back to In the Zone, Orlando's only local sports talk afternoon show. Now, here's your host, Brandon Kravitz. Welcome back to the show. Happy to have you along for the ride. Happy Monday to all. It is time for our In the Zone Player of the Night. Let's head down to Miami where Raheem the Dream was running wild. First and ten, Miami's ball. Mostert getting the block from Hill. He explodes and spins and drives. There he goes. For two, Mostert is back there. Lamb a block. It's Mostert. Monster stat line for Raheem Mostert. Who needs Devon Achan anyway? This stable has been unbelievable for the Dolphins, really unlocking their offense as a whole. 132 total yards for Mostert, three touchdowns on the day. He is our in the zone player of the night, presented by Hourglass Brewing. We've got a watch party coming up this Thursday. We would love if you could join us. Jags versus Saints on the big screen. Pints, good conversation, sports fandom, all amongst our zone heads. That's Hourglass Brewing in Longwood, the absolute best local brewery in the city. Beautiful hourglassbrewing.com if you want to keep up with all the latest. Yesterday was one of the first days of this NFL Sunday uh, or of NFL Sundays that, that I felt was was like a true blue NFL Sunday. Some crappy weather out there balanced out with some good games at one we had good games at four it feels like it's been a little bit out of whack where all the good stuff is at one and then we dial things back at four and then maybe there's a good sunday night game we saw big time upsets a couple of heavyweight uh those heavyweights like the 49ers and the eagles actually look mortal that to me is what this league is all about what we saw yesterday a couple of different ways that I want to look at this, and then I've got a rant that I need to get to that's separate from this conversation. I uh, just need to set my mind right. First of all, the Dolphins are a joyride. It, that's how I'm choosing to view this season. You know that I've sort of been a roller coaster in the way that I've perceived the Miami Dolphins from before the preseason, during the preseason, and then the start of the year, and then the Broncos game. Um, I'm just going to about this Tyler they're I'm almost positive they're gonna crash and burn at some point come playoff time but they are so much fun to watch operate on Sundays that I'm just enjoying it it's like hopping in a car with your buddy you know you turn to them and you go where are we going and they say no idea you might end up at a Wendy's you might go to a bar you might just be driving until you get lost or run out of gas. I don't care. I'm down for the ride. I just want to be here for it. I just want to sit back and enjoy it. And the Dolphins are bringing me so much joy and pleasure watching them play football. Five and one for the first time since 2002. Um, I was 16 years old. So it's been a long time coming, Tyler. But I, that's my perspective on this. I'm not going to go too high or too low. I'm just enjoying the ride. I'm going to try and do that. Yeah, and I think it's 
it's what we can all do as NFL fans. I am the furthest thing from a Miami Dolphins fan. They're a fun team to watch. I, I mean, there is no other team in the league that is as explosive on the on offense as this Miami Dolphins team. I don't know if anyone comes close. They have numerous guys that they can cycle through who are the fastest players in the entire league. One less with Devon Achan now out, but insert Raheem Mostert, who's been who's kind of not even split reps with Achan throughout this year, but he's kind of lived in the shadow of Achan. Yeah, Raheem Mostert still breaks twenty miles an hour, game in and game out, out there on the field, hurdling people, breaking through tackles, powering through guys. I mean, you add that with Tyree Kill, who we know what Tyree Kill is. The man is literally nicknamed Cheetah. And you have Tua, who really has been one of the more intriguing quarterbacks throughout his NFL career. Love him, hate him, don't like to see him succeed, whatever it might be. Tua is intriguing. There's a lot of good going on with this Miami Dolphins team, and they're just fun to watch, period. They were down 14-0 to in that first quarter. You blink, you flip through through a couple channels, you check out red zone for a little bit, and you come back and the Dolphins are up 21-14 entering the half. It was just like that. Yeah, I mean, at this point, Jalen Waddell is like a luxury item for this offense, yeah. which is crazy. He'd be the best receiver on many teams around the NFL. And honestly, the Dolphins don't even need him right now. That's how crazy it is. But you're right about Mostert. I mean, he's he's a really good running back. And I actually think he's better between the tackles than Devon Achan is. Achan's just that next-level explosive that you see very little of comparatively around the NFL guys that can break away the way that he does. So that's been, that's been special. And this team is, is fun. We're going to get a real look at whether or not they're actually good coming up on Sunday. If they can, and especially with the way the Eagles lost, you know, they're going to be extra dialed in in practice. We say this stuff all the time, but it's because that's the way that it works. Sometimes good teams get lulled into a false sense of security. They get smacked in the mouth. Sometimes they get smacked in the mouth by a team they don't expect to get smacked by. And the Jets were without Sauce Gardner. They were without their top two corners yesterday and still were able to put together a defensive performance like that. The Dolphins get the Eagles next Sunday night. You're going to learn a lot about this Dolphins team, a lot more than you learn about them when they beat up on the the lowly Carolina Panthers, who, by the way, news came out today that Frank Reich is giving up uh, offensive play-calling duties because I'm sure that's what's going to fix the problem for the Carolina Panthers. So the 49ers and the Eagles, they lose to bad quarterbacks on the road. The Niners go down to P.J. Walker. Shout out to P.J. Walker getting it done and representing the XFL. And then the Eagles lose to Zach Wilson in the 4 o'clock window. If I were to tee up this question to you, Tyler, which loss is more telling between the two in terms of what their vulnerabilities are? Sometimes teams, the really good teams lose just because they had a bad day. Sometimes they get exposed or something that they're actually not quite good at. Is there one that you look at and you say that that actually matters? I'll start by saying I'm not selling stock on either of these two teams. The Eagles were my preseason pick to come out of the NFC. The 49ers have been my replacement pick as of, okay, I've seen a quarter of the season. The 49ers look like the best team in the NFC. I'm not selling any of my stock on either of them. This It's more telling about the Eagles, though. The 49ers... You lose Debo Samuel. You lose Christian McCaffrey. You have to play a big chunk of that game without your two best offensive players. Brock Purdy, he got exposed a little bit in this game. Brock Purdy's fine. He's, he is good for the system, but he's not an MVP. He, he cannot hardly be one of the best 
five to ten players on his team. He, he he just isn't. There are guys, and especially on offense, he's the fifth best player out there on the offense. He can't be a league MVP. He doesn't need to be for the 49ers to be Super Bowl contenders. So they lost they lost two of their best skill players. I'm not giving them a pass completely, but I'm not that worried about the 49ers. The Eagles haven't looked right all year. The 49ers have scored 30-plus points in four games this season. Or, or they've been hovering around that 30-point marker. I'm not worried about the Niners, but the Eagles haven't looked right all year. The thing that's okay about the whole thing, though, is they didn't look right to start last season either. They were 8-0, mind you, but a one-score one game at Detroit last season, a one-score game versus Jacksonville, Arizona, Dallas, um, Indianapolis. So a lot of one-score games for this Philadelphia Eagles teams. It's not like they were just blowing everyone out to start off last season. They made it to the Super Bowl. So... The Eagles, it tells more about their team. They can't get quite right on offense, even versus a good defense with that is down two of their best players in the secondary. They, they, they're they going to need to click offensively eventually. Yeah, and it wasn't just that. Elijah Vera Tucker was injured on that offensive line for the Jets. The Jets were ravaged, ravaged with injuries. The Eagles had some as well, which is part of the reason why I had the Jets plus seven when I handed out my locks on Friday, I didn't even realize that Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed were going to be out in that secondary for the Jets. I probably wouldn't have had them uh, on there, if I'm going to be completely honest, because I think that that could be, I would have thought that that would have been so detrimental. They need that talent on defense if they're going to play at their best. Clearly, that's not the case. The scheme, the guys that they have up front, like Quinn and Williams, still good enough to get it done. I'm completely with you. I wanted to argue with you on this, but I just don't disagree at all. The Eagles definitely showed their ass a little bit more than the 49ers did. You can explain away the 49ers stuff. Even Brock Purdy, he looked—he definitely looked less than perfect, but he led the team down the field at the end of the game. They had a chance to tie it or uh, or win it, actually, and uh, and their kicker missed a field goal. So, I mean, they, they were inches away from winning that game. The, the Eagles, you can't really say the same thing. They weren't able to run the football, and clearly when that team can't run, they have issues you know this is where i'm i i hold back my my hype for jalen hurts a little bit when you're an elite quarterback and he's getting paid like one now so we can treat him like that when your game plan as a defense is let's make him throw the football and it works and you win that's not the making of an elite quarterback they said, make him drop back and throw the ball 45 times. And we're going to make him do it when we have two of our best players in the secondary that are out. And we still went in and beat them. Uh, th- that is a little problematic for the Eagles. Still a really good team. I probably downgrade them slightly by a smidge just because of that one. The 49ers, I'm still good with. Now, in terms of my rant, Tyler, and this goes back to what we saw from the biggest college football game this weekend. And I saw this in a big NFL game this weekend as well. Coaches out there, please listen to me. You are not a coward if you kick a field goal and take three points when the moment calls for it. You're not going to lose your locker room. You know, Nobody's going to look at you and, and think any less of you if you tack on three points to your score and make it easier to win the game later on. Oregon's coach, Dan Lanning, twice on Saturday, when he easily could have called to kick a field goal, opts to go for it on fourth down. The biggest one being the one at the end of the first half, no time left, could have kicked a field goal, 
gone into the half down 22 to 21. Instead, they go into the half down 22 to 18. Might not seem like that big of a deal. Then he does it again in the second half, and they uh, they fail to convert on fourth down. Then at the end of the game, fourth and three, they're up 33 to 29 and decides to go for it to ice the game rather than punting and pinning Washington back and doesn't get it again. You give Michael Penix the ball with phenomenal field position, and I don't understand. You lose the game by three points. You left six on the field with your field goal decisions, and you gave them an easy touchdown by going for it on fourth down. These coaches, they they think that aggressiveness equals intelligence, and it just doesn't. Take points when they are available to you. Pete Carroll did this too. Four minutes left in regulation. They're down by four. Could have kicked the field goal. They'd be down by one. And then the Bengals, who had not been moving the ball the entire afternoon, you give you get the ball back after stopping them, which, by the way, is exactly what happened. And so then they're forced to go for a touchdown at the end of the game when if they had just taken the field goal, the possession prior, a field goal would have actually won the Seahawks the game. Playing aggressive does not equal playing smart. And I see this all the time. It drives me crazy, Tyler. So I just had to get that out there. Yeah, well, um, first of all, I'm, I'm glad that you, you got through that there. Glad Thank you. you had their time for that. And I think in the the interesting thing about landing in Oregon is it's bad coaching. That's how I see it. It'd be different. I understand the, the want and the temptation to go aggressive. On a fourth and short, you can kick the field goal to tie it, put yourself within a one-score gain, or you pick up that first and then you continue on try to get six out of it. I understand the need to be aggressive versus a team like Washington. You're on the road. Opportunities to get ahead aren't going to come along often. But here's the thing about Lanning. He has one of the best defenses in the country. Now, Michael Penix is one of the best quarterbacks in the country as well, which is why uh, Washington, at the end of the day, scored 36 points. They still gave Penix trouble. It wasn't like he was out there throwing for 450 yards and tearing the defense apart like uh, Oregon did to Colorado a couple weeks ago. That Ducks defense is legitimately one of the best in the country. When you have a strong defense, you as a head coach need to realize that it makes the decision to kick the field goals and get the points easier knowing that you can trust those guys. If you don't have a defense and you trust your offense, that's where the balance gets tipped. You rely more on your offense. You play risky. You go for it on fourth down in a big-time situation like that. Not when you have a defense as good as Oregon's. Yeah, and and coaches, Dan Lanning did this right after the game. Well, I stand by the decision. He took blame for the loss, but also said this is the way that we play. This is what we do. We're aggressive. But it's like they, they act like I do this because I'm not scared. When I see coaches make decisions like that, to me, that is coaching scared. You're scared by, by saying I can't win if I don't maximize every possession rather than saying, let me take a couple extra points here. And I'm confident enough in my team to where at the end of the game, those points are going to matter rather than saying, if I don't get this fourth down now, we've got no chance. They operate like the way that these coaches, and we're seeing that in really competitive games in the NFL and in college football, 
Oregon, Washington, two evenly matched teams, Seahawks, Bengals, two evenly matched teams. And these coaches are coaching like they're an FCS team going up against Georgia. You're, you're on par with your opponent. So every point matters. Uh, it, and it, at the end of the game, like the fourth and three at the end for, uh, for uh, Oregon and deciding to go for that rather than punt, that one doesn't drive me as crazy as the other decisions where earlier in the game, you're still setting yourself up for the fourth quarter. You're shooting yourself in the foot by Nate not taking points. And it proved itself because later in the game, they needed those three points and they didn't have them. So that, that kind of stuff that I don't know if it's the analytics or if these guys think that they're like big and machos. And so they, or they get caught up in the moment because yeah, your team wants to go for it, of course, but it's a coach's job to kind of settle everybody down and go, I've got to put you in the best position to succeed and to win. And I don't think that they did that more in the zone coming up next.